Welcome to ShareHouse, where you'll discover tips, trends, and takeaways from top product and e-commerce experts. We'll talk about it all, from product design to product sales, e-commerce to retail, and operations to marketing. Join your hosts, Emerson Hammer and Russell Steed. What's up? Welcome back to the ShareHouse podcast. You know, the one place where you're going to learn about all things e-commerce, marketing, sales, all aspects of e-commerce. That's what we dive into. Today, we got a sweet little nugget on the marketing side. We're going to be talking about direct mail and how it kind of fits into the direct-to-consumer, digitally native kind of e-commerce brand. Taking us through this is uh, Megan Bortner. She is the founder of Labyrinth Digital. She has a ton of experience on kind of the data analytics side, but also marketing, tons of aspects of marketing, and and more specifically, the um, direct mail. So without further ado, Megan, can you give us a little intro into yourself? Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be on the show. Um, I am the founder and lead strategist at Labyrinth Digital. Um, Labyrinth Digital is based in Denver, Colorado, and we are a growth marketing agency that specializes in serving product-based e-commerce businesses. Our services are a hybrid between consulting and traditional agency services. On the consulting side, we offer services like competitive analysis, customer analysis, channel health assessment. And then we really specialize on the analytics side to do a lot of work around like measurement frameworks, building custom BI tools, or analyzing deep into your customer data to understand like what are your customers purchasing and when, um, and what's kind of their purchase cadence would be some like sample analysis is there. And then on the like more traditional agency side of the things, we offer uh, marketing operation services, including paid management on the Google ecosystem, Facebook side of things, as well as email um, email operations, is SMS and direct mail, which we'll be chatting about today. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so you so just so I better like I mean we've already talked about this, but so you've got two aspects of your business: the the consulting and the agency side. But you've kind of honed in on the product-based businesses, right? So that's like where your bread and butter is. Like that's that's where most of your clients sit. Okay, that's which is super awesome. That's where most of our audience sits as well. They've either got their own product-based business, or you know they're they're considering starting their own product-based business and, and really trying to figure out what steps did they need to take to make that a reality. Um, okay, so but I, one thing that I really want to highlight out of your experience is that you. Um, you know, maybe, and you could kind of hit a little bit of your your work history because you've got a little bit of an, a focus more so than a lot of agencies that I've seen that uh, on on the analytics and kind of the data side. So, can you kind of speak to that a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. Before starting Labyrinth, I worked um, for Epsilon, which is a big player in like the database marketing space. They're now owned by Publicis for like some of the listeners, one of those like big um, agency out there. But when I was at Epsilon, I was on the uh, digital strategy side of things. So I was doing a lot of advising on my clients for how do you use your own data um, and how do you overlay third-party data to better understand who your customers were. Um, and then kind of playing in that Epsilon world, they Epsilon has um, a data co-op that they lean into. So a lot of retailers will share their data with Epsilon. Um, and then they can use it for, then they can buy into it for overlaying that data or using it for modeling, whether it's in the direct mail space or using it for the online side of things. And with my business today, I really think data is key to having really effective marketing. Um, so we'd like to take kind of some of that knowledge that we've learned from Epsilon and use it for our clients um, today. 
Yeah. So in my personal experience, I uh, worked with a marketing team that was very much very creative, super brilliant in, in a lot of ways. But then when it came down to like actual analytics and, and knowing the numbers and really what's working, like there was nothing. And so, and then we, we've been trying to change that to be a lot more data driven, like, okay, what campaigns are actually working? And, you know, COVID really forced this, forced our hand here where we had to pull back on some of those, like, we don't know if it's totally working, but you know, it's one of those campaigns we're running. And then, but COVID's like hit and we're like, crap, you know, we really just got to cinch that belt and only, only put money behind the things that are actually working. And so data was a huge piece of that puzzle within the, within our marketing department. So um, I think you you bring a really valuable insight that not all marketing teams have. You know, a lot of a lot are very creative, and others are a lot more data driven. But uh, today we're going to talk. We're going to dive into direct mail, which is something that um, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about. I'm doing my first direct mail campaign right now, and uh, for a brand, and um, I've learned a ton in the in the process. But it's funny because like. It, you know, rewind like a year ago and I'm thinking like what a direct mail wasn't even on my radar. And uh, it's actually very interesting how much data can go into into direct mail. Um, and so I'm excited about this conversation. So let's back it up a little bit. Is direct mail dead? Or is that like, what? why do direct mail? Because, you know, like I said, a year ago, I would have been like, it's not even on my radar. So tell me a little bit more direct, direct mail um, and and why it's not dead and why a brand should do it. Yeah, so I think I'll like just kind of start at the beginning when you're an e-commerce brand. Of course, you're always looking for new customers. And when you're just starting out, it makes most sense, especially when you're selling online, that you're going to lean into digital channels like your Google ads, your Facebook ads. Um, and those do really well. Those tend to have like the highest return that you can have. But as you get to starting to see diminishing returns on some of those search campaigns or now Facebook with iOS 14, maybe not being as effective, you start to wonder, where should I go next? Mm -hmm. So then there's a ton of different questions. Should I consider programmatic? Should I consider out of home like billboard? Should I consider radio, podcasts, whatnot? One channel that a lot of e-commerce brands, at least we found, don't consider is direct mail. But a lot of research has found that it tends to perform better than display advertisements. And consumers say, like, next to email, it's their preferred channels to be communicated with. And then just from, like, a data side of things, if you're using it for prospecting, the average response rate is 5%. And if you're using it for your house files, so, like, your customers or the people that have shared their information with you, the response rate is 9%. Those are some pretty good numbers. Um, and I do think on, like, a lot of like display advertising or out of home, like the direct mail piece is very tangible and it can be something that if it's relevant to you will like sit in your house or on your fridge for a while and it can kind of serve to remind customers for a while about um, the campaign that you're trying to talk to them about. Yeah, I think that so kind of hitting emphasize, I'd love to emphasize like every aspect of everything that you just said, but kind of going in there, like it's Google, Facebook, it's, it's a no brainer, but then you, you start to, you know, a lot of brands when they get to the like 10 million, $20 million mark, they're like, crap, what do we do to, to go past this? Because we're not that we're capping out on our digital spend, but it's like becoming less effective. And, you know, we've all seen over the past couple of years, Facebook being less effective. And so everybody's looking at different channels, whether it be TV, direct mail, anything, you know, they're just trying to find something else that works well. And direct mail is one of those things that, um, somebody explained it to me just, just the other day. 
it's pretty interesting because Facebook will will like an impression is like if one pixel of an ad shows up on, you know, re registers at all, like whether the person saw the ad or not, like they're counting that as an impression and you're kind of paying for that. Whereas with direct mail, like, you know, it's getting into the inbox and the consideration phase of, you know, do I throw this away? Do I keep it? You know, they flip through it, um, whether it be like just a card or like a catalog, like the time that somebody spends on like a direct mail piece of uh, advertising is way higher than uh, than what a Facebook ad would be. And so there, there are definite like value ads there. So um, so definitely I, I, I am now a, fa a big fan of uh, uh, direct mail and I still haven't even finished my first campaign. So it, talk to me in a few months when we finish it and like actually get the results. But I've, I've heard really good things and, and logically it makes sense to me. Um, but I think there are two aspects that I'd like to kind of break up and talk about. You said prospecting, and then you also talked about like with your customers, right? So maybe let's let's first dive into mm -hmm. prospecting. Um, what, how would a brand use direct mail as prospecting? Like, you know, they're totally new to this. What, why, and and when would they look at that? Yeah. So I think like stepping back is like the first question maybe is like, should I consider direct mail as like a tool to use? Um, so I would say because it's a little bit more expensive than on the digital side that you're paying for a list, you're paying for um, postage, you're paying for the printing, um, I'd say to consider it, I would say you should be in growth mode that you're kind of exhausted some of those like low hanging fruit digital channels. And then you're also a brand that has a higher average order value that mm. if someone makes the purchase, it's going to pay for the cost that it was to do this type of campaign or you have a really good lifetime value that you're likely to have repeat customers and that they'll be worth a lot in the long term because there's a little bit more cost than um, on the, some of the digital channels. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of prospecting, like from where do you start? Like if you hit those thresholds and like you feel like you're really in growth mode and you've exhausted some of those like beginning channels, one place to start is if you have more, I would say, also, oh, the other thing to consider before you really enter the space is have enough customers that a data broker is going to be able to like model your customers accurately so that your list is going to be as good as it can. So that's like creating, um, you go to a data broker to get a list of lookalikes essentially, right? To, to your customer audience. Yeah. How big would so that be? How big I would a, say at least 10,000 customers before you to have a good model result. Okay. And then in terms of like going out and building a list, there's a lot of people out there that will sell you direct mail lists, but really the secret is going to the right source. Mm -hmm. So the cheapest and like the most common place is data compilers. So usually how those processes work, they'll take your customer base and they'll run a profile on who your customers are. And then it'll show you like attributes that pop based on like what they have in their database. And then you'll buy for your list, you'll pick some attributes and they'll charge you by how much, how many attributes you use. And then they'll build you a list for how many names that you want. And that's one way to do it. It's the more the lower cost way for um, list building. Mm -hmm. Another way you can go is going to one of like the data co-ops. 
um, or like one of the like primary like sources for that data. And you can give them your data and they, and you can, you could choose to enter a data co-op, which means you'd be sharing like your transactional data and your customer data and other people could be using it. But once you do that, you're able to enter kind of like their capabilities and build models off of that. So instead of you picking attributes of who you want to send a campaign to, you're letting them like model your data off of everything that they know and also throwing in that transactional data, which is really powerful. And that's going to most likely be a better predictor for who are like lookalike type customers. Okay. So in maybe one of these prospecting campaigns, what's kind of the barrier to entry? Like what would like the minimum spend look like? Because obviously I can go and, and run a hundred dollars on a, if I can do $5 on a Facebook ad, barrier to entry on the financial side is really low. Um, not to say I'd make much, any money back on it, but you know, super low. Uh, for face or not Facebook ads, for, for direct mail, what, like, does it make sense at a $10,000 level or is it not making sense unless you're spending over a hundred thousand? Like what, what is, what have you seen? So, I would say probably the smallest you'll be looking at is spending ten thousand, um, and that's going to be buying your list, which depends on which route you go for buying data in terms of how much it costs per hundred of names. And then depending what you want to send, if it's like a postcard versus like a catalog, that's going to change your cost as well. Um, but if you go like the cheapest way would be a postcard. Um, if you wanted to send like to like 10,000 names, you're probably going to be looking around like $10,000. It's usually for a postcard about a dollar, um, percent. Gotcha. And that's after the list purchase. Yeah. The list purchase isn't too bad. I'd say the most expensive piece on direct mail is the postage. Postage. Okay. Um, yeah, like in our in our example, we uh, we're trying to send to a hundred thousand people. Part of that is going to be cu- previous customers, and then we've got a certain percentage that are prospects. That you know we've we've entered into a, like a data co-op, and we've bought a list, and and so on, and we're in that whole process right now. But the uh, the interesting thing is that going from a postcard to like a full like twelve page catalog, or I think we even opted for a twenty page. I think we're at twenty. Um, was only like the difference of like $4,000. So on that scale, like we're almost like, we get way more real estate, we might as well do the bigger one. But for a smaller campaign, for sure, like, you know, if you're only doing 10,000 names and you're really trying to minimize the postage side of it, um, you're, you know, you probably, a postcard would be more than enough. And honestly, I get, I get a lot of those. And I didn't like, you never really think of like the whole process that's behind the, you know, the Hello Fresh. Uh, one pager that I get like once a month, but you know, it makes sense. They're, they're always trying to get me to, to sign up for their food and, or to the, for their, uh, for their subscriptions and stuff. So I was going to say another important thing about direct mail to, for like listeners to consider is once you've decided to go down that route is making sure it's as measurable and trackable as possible. So, you know, if it really is a good investment. So there's some things that you can do to help with that. So one thing um, to consider, especially now after COVID, that people use QR codes so much more is include some type of QR code. Um, and then you can track and know that that traffic is from the campaign. Have some type of personalized or vanity domain to send the traffic to. So if they do scan that QR code, you know exactly what they did when they were on your website. 
if you can include some type of unique um, coupon code, um, then you're going to be able to know exactly who purchased from you. And then the other thing that most people do when they run direct mail is what they call like a matchback analysis. So after a 60 day window, you will pull everyone that's purchased in that period of time and you'll match it back to your, that file that you sent out and you want to see who actually ended up purchasing um, the campaign. So those are some of the ways you can track it. Um, so it, it's not maybe quite as trackable as digital, but there is like a lot of little tactics that you can use to know how effective that campaign was. So there, there, there are multiple ways. So it's a lot more trackable than some people originally think, right? Because you, you're getting those, those addresses and then you can go back to your purchasing data and, you know, like you said, match them up and say, I sent a, a, a letter to this person and they, they purchased. So you, you definitely get that like, direct correlation there. Um, are there are there groups or how do you go about that? So in my situation, we are going with, I think we call them a broker or uh, I don't know if it's technically an agency, but they they pull all the pieces together for us. They go and buy the list. They go to, you know, they go to the data broker, they get the list, they bring that in. They go to the printer, they, you know, because they got a bunch of printers, they, they figure out which one works out best, they bring that in. So they're kind of taking a lot off of our plate. Um, is that the best way to go about it? Or in your experience, would you say it's just as doable in-house? Or what, what would you recommend for, for uh, different sizes of brands? I think if it's your first time doing it, having somebody kind of guide you through the process, it's definitely like everything like figure, you can figure out yourself. But if it's your first time having, I guess that like partner that can like help you pull your list work with the data broker to do it and like coordinate with the printer is just going to save you a lot of headache. And then the match back, depending if you have a database solution or not, can be a lot of level of effort just because the addresses aren't always standardized. So there's a lot of data cleanup to do it. So I would recommend at least starting with some type of partner to like help you navigate the space. And then if you end up going and using direct mail quite a bit, maybe it makes sense to like bring that more in-house some of the process um with most of the brands that you've done this with has it been through kind of one of those partners or um has there been a kind of an even mix between in-house and partner we actually have taken for our clients like taken like the whole process from them in terms of like thinking what's your goal why do you want to do this like even recommending a channel and then going through working pulling the list working with the data broker coordinating with the printer um, gotcha. and so then you guys, presenting the results at the end of the time. Yeah. So we'll handle it like pretty soup to nuts. So you're the, uh, you're the partner in this case. So you wouldn't, you know, necessarily have to go to <laughs> yeah. another partner to, to engage with, but you guys are able to, to kind of handle that and take it off the, the brand's plate because yeah, that it's a lot of work, uh, honestly, just to be able to send out a hundred thousand, you know, or even 10,000, like there's, you got to find printers and printing is just a whole nother game that, that uh, if you don't have experience in, it's better to find somebody that does know what they're talking about because you could potentially get ripped off if you don't. Um, I mean, it's probably not going to be that common to get ripped off, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, so with direct mail, I want to kind of go back to how you build out the piece. So have you seen different pieces work um, better, like whether it be a catalog versus a one pager um, or like a postcard or um, what, what have you seen that performs well, or does it, does it just matter or just depends on the, the, the product and, and the brand? I think it comes back to like what your goal is. So if it's like prospecting, um, for the first time, 
sending a catalog might be pretty expensive way to do it. But if it's for like retention purposes and maybe you're trying to like bring back somebody that's purchased but hasn't purchased in a year or two years, maybe sending that catalog of like see what's new could be like the right touch for that. So I think thinking about like what your goal is and then like kind of the cost is like something that you have to weigh out. But in terms of like effective creative in direct mail, I would say like keep it simple, especially if you're going like the postcard route. Like you want like one clear message, one clear goal, like use bullets. Like people probably aren't going to read tons of things, but they're going to want to like see the image, see what you're trying to get across. And that's about all the time that you have. And then printing's come a long way. There's variable printing. So you can do a lot of personalization in the touch. So if you can pull in like customer's first name or if like you went back to that data and you knew some of their like lifestyle or like what vehicle they drove, there could be ways to personalize the touch with that type of information. And that's going to help it resonate a little bit further. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's not something that I've really looked into, but I do get, uh, it's always kind of surprising when I get like a one pager from, I just got one two days ago from um, a dentist's office just down the street and I said, Hey, welcome to the neighbor's neighborhood Steed family. And I was like, oh, that's like, but it was like printed out there. It was honestly kind of, it stopped me and it worked because I was like, Oh, Hey, they know, they know my name. That's cool. Uh, or our family name at least. So, um, definitely I can see the value that that can bring by personalization and, and having each one very specific as opposed to like a hundred thousand being exactly the same going out. And just the address, you know, being printed on there and, and different. So, um, so have you seen like what types of offers work well in in direct mail? Because um, I know, like, looking at TV advertising, we were uh, by a few different consultants said, "Hey, don't do buy one get one. Do a percent off. Like percent off or dollar off amount is going to work a lot better than like a a free gift with purchase." Which was weird. Like we wouldn't have guessed that. But is there anything like that you've seen within the direct mail space? I feel like it's so hard to say like one medium versus another. I feel like it's more of test with a brand question. And I would say email is a really great testing ground ground for before you go to direct mail that you could test it in that channel or you could test it with your Facebook ads to try and understand what type of offer is going to work for prospecting better. And when you have that information, take that to direct mail versus going off of like maybe what industry standard is because I do think there's so many like nuances of what works with your brand that that's going to go a little bit farther. Um, <laughs> one thing that we have that we've done um, is is kind of doing that test within Facebook of and on our website of being able to say okay what works better 15% off 10% off is or is that the same like does it matter if we give them 5% off more or like a 20% off versus a $20 off and so it's kind of doing those tests beforehand because it is a bigger um, investment, you know, dollar amount, it's a bigger investment right off the bat with direct mail or even like TV ads. That's another thing. Like it, you're gonna have to spend a lot to really get the value out of it. And so knowing what the offer works um, is, is key. So I, that's a great point that you brought up. Um, one other question. And I would that also been... say testing on digital, you're going to go a lot faster for a point of statistical significance than if you go in direct mail that even if you end up splitting and testing 5,000 versus 5,000, it's likely not enough results to be able to make a true comparison that it would work every single time. And then what is kind of like the average timeline on one of these? So if a brand says like, hey, I want to pull the trigger on doing this, like start to finish, 
you know, getting data in, how long does that take? Or maybe take us through like how long each each step normally takes. Yeah, so kind of thinking, say you're at the point where you're like, yeah, I want to do direct mail, but that's about all you're at. Um, and you say, so you know what the creative message is that you want, and you've already done some of that like testing in terms of offer. Um, the first part in terms of going to a data broker, pulling your list, the, it's probably going to take the agency a couple of days to get it cleaned up and standardized. And then when it goes over to the data broker, building a model is usually two to three weeks. Um, so you'll, we'll say three weeks from like when the agency pulled your name and worked with the data broker. And then from there, your piece goes to the printer and the names go to the printer. And it depends on the printer's like turnaround times. But I would say a week is normally pretty standard with a printer. And then if you're not mailing first class, your pieces will probably take another week from when the printer finishes it until it's in home. So from like day one, I want to send direct mail until it's like in home. You probably have got five to six weeks from there mm -hmm. and then traditionally direct mail has like a pretty long matchback period usually your agency will wait at least 60 days before they do an analysis of how well did that piece perform so yeah the whole time you're looking at probably a little over three months before you've kind of like finished everything off yeah, so that's a in terms of like the the quick Facebook ad campaign world, uh, that's a pretty long, a pretty long campaign, three months, give or take a little bit. Um, is there a better time of year to be doing this? Like, is it a good time to go in Q4 around Black Friday to to use this strategy? Is there a, a time like is January not a good time? Summer not a good time? I think it comes a little bit back to like your brand. If you have some seasonality, if there's like times that you can lean into. So say you're a running brand, maybe like October is a really good month or September because people are getting ready for like marathon months. Um, if you're like a home gym type of thing, maybe it's like right before New Year's, if there's like New Year's resolution. So I'd say it's a little bit more in your data versus like the seasonality um, side of things. Interesting. Yeah. One thing that our, our, our partner told us is like summer's dead, like do not do it in summer, but that might've been more specifically geared around our industry specifically and not necessarily as a whole, but they, they did kind of make it seem like, you know, summer's not the best time to send. So I, you know, and that's one of the values that like partners like you guys bring is, you know, being able to say like, yeah, this is what we would recommend, like sending on this schedule at this time and, and so on. So definitely to, to back to your point forever ago, if this is your first time, like get somebody that knows what they're doing um, because direct mail it has some nuances that that uh, would be would be very helpful to, to get some help on. Another thing I would add in terms of like when's the best time, I think with any marketing, just like one touch isn't usually enough, especially if you're a little bit more expensive. So thinking through maybe as just like doing one direct mail and like say, did it work or did it not is like one thing to do. But with that campaign, if you can think of ways to make it like more cross channel. So a lot of times the data breaker will have the ability to onboard that list onto like Facebook, or if you're using a DSP, they can onboard that list there. So you can touch them digitally. Or maybe when you're in your planning, you're thinking through, not just one touch that you want to send them. Maybe it's a couple of touches in the mailbox as well as the digital side. I think you're going to get 
better results. Yeah, there was one uh, one software that I I was talking to one of the guys over um, at Cinch. I think it's Cinch.io um, last week, and uh, one of the founders just happened to be just at the same meeting as him, and we started talking. And um, they're kind of like a competitor to to Clavio. And granted, like I this I'm not affiliated with them, you know, nothing with Cinch. I literally just looking into them. Um, but his point was like, you know, bringing in all of these different platforms, you know, you're, you want your Google ads to work in tandem with your email. And then he brought up direct mail as being a big part of that. And he's like being able to play direct mail and like kind of trigger everything within the same platform. I thought that was pretty interesting that, that he specifically brought direct mail into that and said, you know, you're, you're purchasing, you, you have customers that come and buy from you, you know, whether it be a hundred dollars, $50 or 300 or $500, like you can spend $75 to set, or sorry, not $75, 75 cents to send them a little postcard saying, thank you. It's kind of one of those shock and awe things after the fact. So that, I kind of want to talk about like, so we, we, we hit prospecting, but how would a brand use direct mail in more of just like with their customers? You know, um, have you seen any successful, kind of campaigns and, and maybe ongoing things that brands have done. Yeah. So there's like a two, I guess, other ways people use direct mail. One is uh, kind of the more new thing is like programmatic direct mail. So a lot of times co companies that are like really high average order value, like mattress companies and things, they'll use the technology that will see what somebody's IP address is and they'll have a match system to find out what their address is and while you if you queue certain things on their site like you shop products for so much time it might indicate that you'll send the direct mail piece to help with that like customer experience and that's called like programmatic and that would be somebody that's like on your site type of activity mm -hmm. and then another way you can use direct mail is more in like your cadence like a similar way you would use email is thinking through um Maybe it's like when they hit re-engagement that they like haven't purchased or they stopped paying attention to your email campaign. There's like some type of cue or trigger that you set up to send a direct mail piece to try and talk to them again. Or maybe it's part of, like you were saying, like that first purchase, like a surprise and delight, like, thank you so much for purchasing. Here's some tips on how to like use your product and you get that piece in there, but like kind of, mapping out your customer like journey once they buy until like they're gone. You can think through like when there's some good opportunities to use that type of touch. Are there platforms or what platforms have you used that do programmatic um, direct mail? Cause I'm, I'm not familiar with any, so maybe you can shed some light there. Yeah. So the biggest one in the space, I think it's called Pebble Post. Um, they're kind of like the leader on programmatic side of things. Okay. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely something that like we're, I'm just barely getting into. We're doing a campaign, not necessarily like an ongoing thing, but if this goes well, and I, I have a feeling that it probably will go decently well, you know, we'll hopefully make our money back on it at least. Um, but it, I really like the aspect of surprise and delight, really kind of brand building. So like kind of having those two different campaigns of like a conversion specific campaign, and then just like a branding campaign and really get kind of bringing value to our customers. And you can do that you know, you can add direct mail into multiple aspects of your marketing funnel. Um, awesome. Well, I guess, is there, we, we already kind of hit when it wouldn't make sense uh, for a brand to do direct mail. Um, 
what would I guess what are the the normal results that you would kind of expect from a campaign like this? Like, are we are you measuring it in ROAS? Are you measuring it in you know some some other KPI? Or how do you know if it's working? And uh, if you're one of those brands that maybe shouldn't do it again, or like, or if it's like you know maybe something that you need to keep iterating and, and get better at. So I guess there are two kind of questions there. How do you measure a campaign, and how do you know if it is like if it underperforms, if it can get better? Yeah, so it's kind of like on the brand to like think through your goals, but a lot of times e-commerce, the end goal is revenue, if, especially if you're like in that like hundred to two hundred dollar range. So it's usually our ROI analysis. So how much did you make from this campaign, and then and how many customers came in from that as well, and then how much was the cost? So like you're all in on terms of like your list, your posts, your printing, and then that's kind of gonna be where you're at. Um, you can, if you were like a much higher ticket and item, like say it was like a couple of thousand to buy, it might be unrealistic if it's for prospecting to assume that person's going to just learn about your brand and then make the purchase in 60 days. You might have different response metrics like signing up for email or signing up to be on a mailing list or contact talking with sales, something like that. So I think it's a little bit depends on like your business, but. A lot of times we see like an ROI type metric is what um, our clients have been looking at. I think that's a, a great point that it doesn't always have to be dollars that you're you're tracking. It can be signups. It could be even visits to, you know, if it's more of a branding play than visits to a website or a certain landing page or something like that. Well, great. Um, yeah. Let's see. I, I Do you have this is kind of story time. Do you have a, a story or an example of, of just a campaign that you thought was great and it did well and uh, you know, you were happy with it, your customers uh, or your client was happy with it. Do you have any, anything that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, we did direct mail. Um, one of our clients was in the hunting apparel space and they had pretty big revenue goals um, pretty quickly. Um, so we had all of their like standard digital advertising up and running and doing well, but they just wanted like more places to play. So for them, it was their first time using direct mail that we kind of went through that whole process of like why it is, what could the value be? And they said like, let's try it. And they gave us, I think it was like twenty or thirty thousand dollar budget, like all in for spending. So it's like fairly small in direct mail terms, but not like tiny um but yeah they ended up i think that brought in like 60 or 70 new customers and then in terms of like how much revenue they made and like what they'd spent on the campaign it came in about a three dollar return which is pretty decent for like the first time that they tried a new tactic well that's awesome was that uh did they do it like post-covid or was this pre-covid this was post-covid um, they did do the mailing in their high season. Um, so this client in particular had a pretty like three or four month window when people really buy their um, gear. And then the other months, like it trickles in, but it's like a little bit seasonal. So they did do it right about the perfect time in terms of like when people were actively shopping for the gear. That's awesome. Um, so to wrap up, we've got three questions that we ask every, every guest. The first one being, if you had to start a product-based business, what would it be and why? Yeah, I was thinking about this, um, before COVID, I used to travel a lot and I used to go to a lot of 
off the beaten places. Um, and one of those trips was to Uganda. And when I was there, our guide had shared that in Uganda, that if you were the parent, you had to pay for your children to go to school. And a lot of times people didn't have enough money to pay for any of their children or all of their children to go to school, um, which like broke my heart. That was just so sad. Um, and then he'd also said it had gotten a lot harder recently that a lot of people in Uganda had made money from selling tea. Um, and I think in the early 2000s, a big plant had come through and that was like the only place you could sell the tea. So it drove the price down in terms of what the locals could like sell their tea crop for. So I had this idea that it would almost be like a tea of the month club that you could in the U.S. buy tea from like local farmers in Uganda and that money would be used for like schooling and kind of share their story, but also like kind of able to give back. So yeah, I wanted to like, I guess, work directly with like locals there and then like kind of serve it in like a subscription type of base for U.S. market. That's awesome. I love that. And that's, um, to be honest, usually when I talk to somebody who's like more of an agency model, they they give me criteria of like, um, I would, uh, any sort of product that fits this XYZ. So I love that you actually brought, and they actually thought through like, what what product would you want to build? And I love that the socialpreneur, is that a word? I don't know, socialpreneur uh, um, aspect of it. I think that's super, super amazing. And definitely, you know, the world definitely needs more, more of that. So that's awesome. Um, so now that you have kind of started your own business. I hope somebody and, takes my idea and does it, even if I don't. Yeah, well, hey, I'd maybe. I'd love you, to be able to give back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a collaboration out there for you. Somebody who knows the knows how to run it and you can market it. And, you know, there's a, there's a good partnership out there. So what uh, what would you say the best piece of advice that you could give to somebody is um, that's starting a business right now? Yeah, I would almost first take like a step back from the question. I think as like a business owner myself, I get so many people that come up to me and they say like, it's so cool that you have a business or like, I always have wanted to have a business. And I feel like for all of those people, if you do have that aspiration, I just like encourage you to like, try it. And it doesn't need to be like full on, I quit my job and go into it. But like, think of like little ways, like whether that's like kind of building out your business plan and like taking the first step, or if you're like on the service side, maybe it's doing like a little bit of freelance to see like proof of concept or like kind of get a feel from it. Cause I do think like almost taking the first step can be like the hardest thing. So there's like a lot of ways to like make it feel a little bit more tangible. Yeah. A little less and scary. Then for people that, yeah. And then for people that like are like just starting out, like you have the business, you're committed to it. I would say like relationships are so important, whether that's like your network and you need people to like brainstorm and think through like ideas with you, or if it's like maybe it's people that you know introduced you to a new client, or if it's you're growing and you need to hire people, just like treat people right, that it makes a huge difference. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, relationships. It's amazing. You know, I there have been phases in my career where I, I don't network at, at all. I just kind of like hermit and I'm working and I don't do anything. And then in other phases where I've been like way more, just get to know a lot of people, go to events or, or uh, you know, just somehow connect with other people. And, you know, I personally actually feel happier when I'm, you know, and that's maybe a personal thing. Not everybody feels that way, but, but getting out there and building relationships. And it's actually brought a lot of 
a lot of good. You know, you, you now have connections with people that know how to do direct mail, right? Or, you know, XYZ that, that can kind of help consult you in something and, and then maybe you can add value to them in, in, in different ways. And so to wrap it up, what, is, what can our audience do for you? Like, are you hiring? Are you looking for clients? Are you looking for a partner for your tea uh, subscription business? Like, what, what is it that our audience can do for you? Yeah, so Weber's in growth mode right now. Um, and like I said in the beginning, we serve product-based e-commerce businesses. So if you're kind of looking for someone to help you in terms of like better understanding your data of like, what's my lifetime value? What's my average order value? What is my customer behavior? We'd love to help. Or if it's you need help on the marketing operations side, whether that's running your paid advertising in Google or it's starting your first campaign direct mail campaign, um, we'd be happy to help. Um, and then we actually are running a current promotion right now uh, through the end of the month that we're giving a free channel health assessment. So whether that's email or Google or Facebook or whatnot, we'll look and see how it's performing, do benchmarking and provide quick wins and we're doing that free for new clients. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. We'll definitely, uh, if any of our audience are, is, uh, is interested in that, uh, where can we find you? What, how do they get in, um, in contact with you? Yeah, our website labyrinth.digital or I think you post LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn page or my email address is megan at labyrinth.digital. Awesome. And then uh, we'll, we'll put all that in the show notes down below. So, so they'll be able to click those links and, and find you. So big, huge thank you to Megan. Thank you so much for, for talking direct mail. I know we just scratched the surface. I know there's so much more there. So if, if any of you want to find out more, please just reach out to Megan. She, she'll, uh, she's the, uh, she's the resident expert on direct mail as well as many other things. So uh, thanks again, Megan, for, for jumping on with us. Thank you. It's fun. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and visit us at sharehouse.com to join the community today.